Brooklyn smiles You arrive at the zenith Them sheets is ready, sleep between it As keen as you can be We have take the tapestry Or it's just your label Makes it for the make-believe Single line, monocle, vision on your profits Tear out your veins as a string And all of the copper into the socket Crack rock for your shots If your fellow man's blow We ain't even try to botch it, huh? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ali Ayn Podcast Now since we've decided to post every two weeks I bet a bunch of you are missing us a lot it's Like, where's our favorite podcast in the entire world? We're back, we are back, okay? We're back and we're back for you Today I'm joined once more, of course, by my wonderful co-host uh, Ali Hamid Zaidi. By the grace of God, he hasn't quit yet. Uh, please introduce yourself. <laughs> yes, I have not quit yet. This is Ali Hamid Zaidi, and I'm definitely not quitting this anytime soon. <laughs> Thanks. Today we are joined by a very special guest, who more than anything is our friend and our brother, uh, ladies and gents. The gentleman, the rapper, the prodigy that needs no introduction. <laughs> Real Mark One, Farvez Afridi. Floor is yours, Thank bro. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my name is Mark One. I'm an experimental artist, producer, engineer, slash everything. Um, yeah, I just make, I just like making music, which doesn't fit any standards, but it fits my narrative. So, yeah, I, I just make weird music, man. That's what, what else is there to say? <laughs> Weird Fair music, enough. nah. Fair enough. It's not just weird. It's also <laughs> dense and, you know, hair pulling. Like, why don't I get what this says sometimes? But, you know, I love it. That's one of the reasons why I love it so, so much. Now, obviously, beyond the music, um, Farvez, you have a presence and you have a story to tell. Oh, um, yeah. So what I wanted to ask you, just to kick off, um, when did you move to Dubai and what was that like? Yeah, I mean, man. I, I've been in Dubai for almost all my life. Well, I moved around UAE, but uh, starting one year I was in India, then yeah. four years in Abu Dhabi, one year in Sharjah, then one yeah. year back in India. Then the rest of my life I've been in Dubai since 2008. So 12 nice. years a stretch. Nice. Yeah. My family's watching Chagde right now downstairs. You know when he does the the whole formation thing? Preeti say Komal, Komal say this, that, this, that. Sounds like a formative <laughs> passing movement. Absolute, absolute madness. Right. So you've basically moved around the country, but you moved out of India at age one. So you've basically been here all your life. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Basically. That makes sense. Now, growing up in this environment, what was that like for you? I mean, it's, I guess it was pretty much like how it was for everybody else growing up here, you know. Uh, it's, it's a very comfortable and a safe place. Um, obviously, there are, you know, there are wishes and there are, you know, this longing to stay here forever, but you cannot have that. So mm. I guess uh, that that is always going to be in the back of your mind. Otherwise, it's one of the best places to be, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, given that and Not then the, the whole identity crisis kids like us, third culture kids go through. Uh, it's a sweet place. It's the best place anybody can be, if you ask me. I get that sentiment, Absolutely. to be very yeah. honest. It's safe yeah. here. And yeah. you eventually build your own pack and it becomes really nice. Yeah. Takes a little bit of time to adjust, but then once you do, there's I mean, almost no troubles here. That's that's I mean what I really me like and, about it. Me and Ali were like born and raised here, so you know, right. we're like right. Both my hmm. sisters are too, so yeah. Yeah. So basically, you've been here all your life, and yeah. I assume you started making music um, soon after moving, or when was that? I mean, uh, I was moving back. 
how many years? I guess like it was like three years later after moving back back in grade five to Dubai. Um, mm. Yeah, it was like three years uh, after moving back. I found rap music. Before nice. that, I wanted to do, you know, uh, I wanted to sing and dance. But then puberty hit and I lost my voice. Oh, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan, but uh, oh, really? after he hit, all of that was super, super awkward. Um, and then no. I found rap eventually and I just stuck to it. When did you find rap? It was 2012. Yeah, I, I, I listened to Eminem. It wasn't my first time somehow. First time I was not afraid and I wasn't a fan of it. But then I heard <laughs> Love the Way You Lie. I was like totally blown away. I was like, holy shit. Exactly. After listening to that song, it's just it was a crazy feeling, and I always like kind of chased it, mm -hmm. stuck with it. Um, even I didn't think I would stick with rap music as much as I thought, uh, as much as I did. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a surprise for everyone, but it's a pleasant surprise in a sense. For me, it was like the opposite thing. Love the way you lie was first, and then not afraid. <laughs> okay, that pretty much solidified my rap entry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So like after that, then this whole world came in with Tupac, and then mm -hmm. there was Biggie, and then there was Busta Rhymes at one point. <laughs> I mean, he was like one of the fastest rappers on the mainstream oh, yeah. market at that point. Oh, moment. yeah. Like when Look At Me Now came out, all the kids were going crazy. <sighs> Damn. Man. I, that was like a legendary level of song right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so talking about like, you know, you're the feeling that you were, the, the feeling that dragged you towards rap, what yeah. was it like? Tell us more about it. Uh, I mean, you said you said. Um, in fact, it's it's quite interesting to point to the audience, by the way. So, Mark has worked on a couple of projects with some really talented artists and producers here. Um, a particular project that comes to mind is an album called "A Little Bit of Everything," with uh, well, I would say top three producers in the region. His name's Andre, Andre Menezes, Andre Axel Menezes, and oh, wow. his album "A Little Bit of Everything." In um, the opening track, I heard you were sampled mm. and also you rapped later. And you were saying something about a feeling yeah. that you've been chasing since seventh grade that was right. caused to you by hip hop. What yeah. was this feeling like? It's, I mean, at first it was something about novelty. Like this is a form of art that I never knew that existed. Yeah. But suddenly it wasn't even about the novelty of the art. It's about how accessible it was. Like anybody could rap. If they tried. Oh, yeah. Like singing, people often associated with like natural talent, but rap yeah. music, especially in terms of voicing and whatnot, anybody could do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's why it remains to be a very competitive genre because anybody could do it. And I guess it was one of True. the few things in life that I picked up and I could say that I could do this without having to like claim I had this background or that background. You know, like you're not meant for this, never applied in this music. Mm. So suddenly it became my voice, my vep, my weapon, and I just like you know held on to it, went with it. So like, what sort of solidified it for you, the rap uh, thing? I, 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 like I said, it's the accessibility and like how much you could say in very less. Hmm. I mean, there of course there's there there's story writing, there's there's poetry, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. normal song singer songwriter, but. Rap is the only form of art, like the most compressive form of art where you can like say so much with just a few little words. Right. Yeah. Like I, I consider rappers to be the best writers across all kind of literary works because they really put a lot of thought and like techniques and efforts to like make things flow and put a lot of content inside it. Oh, so yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. We should we we all should be studying rappers in English, man. Not freaking. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I'll I'll die by that statement. I'll I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like, I yeah. I guess be it like any language oh, at this point. Yeah. Hmm. English, Hindi, Bengali, then there's freaking Spanish. <laughs> no, like, don't get about, me wrong i love poets but uh yeah. i just feel yeah. like rappers are the new like they're the evolution of poets in modern day yeah. I, I i i'd like to agree with you on that statement especially mm. since you know there's so many fine fine lyricists that can just whip so much technicality yourself included out of god knows where yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 interesting to note like personally, I hmm. sometimes struggle to understand why people underrate, especially lyrical rap, so much. There is just right. so much substance there, right. and you're missing out. Yep. <laughs> it's just my personal <laughs> opinion. You're missing out, I mean, right? I guess everybody's missing out on something, but yeah. it's yeah. just a matter of yeah. taste, lowest yeah, common true. denominator, true, and true. whatnot. Obviously, yeah, yeah true um speaking of why mm. did you adopt um i would say very complex uh lyrical expression as your i would say subgenre of of mm. rap now don't get me wrong your subgenre is more experimental in terms of flows in terms of beats etc which i really respect yeah. but then your lyrics specifically yeah. um they tend to have this complexity about them mm. that is you know um it's hard to replicate to be very plain about it and right. it's one of the things that attracts me most to your music uh, mm. everything else being the other thing right. um so tell me a little bit about why you choose to make your lyrics so cryptic sometimes because i know it'll probably confuse some people right right I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess uh, like knowledge, information, your opinions, your thoughts, all those things. It's very easy. I mean, like especially in today's world, it's it's very easy mm -hmm. to get those things. Like content is free everywhere. Um, all the books in the world, it's accessible in the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. You have all that information. It's basically oh, yeah. information yeah. overload. Um, ironically, when people say you're hard, you're, they tell me my lyrics are harder to decode. In fact, it's easier to understand in the long term because I'm always taking them step by step in terms of layering. Hmm. There is an out, you know, external, like, you know, there's an overall layer of meaning of, of a lyric. And then when they learn a bit, about, a bit about me, they understand a little bit more deeper about it. And at the end of it all, it's something that reflects back upon them, like how it connects with them, right? So it's it, it, music itself is about a journey and I don't want the journey to just stop from point A of the song to the point B of the song. I want it to be something vertical from the lyrics as well, the meaning, layering of the meaning. So I just want it to be a journey. I challenge myself writing these lyrics. I obviously want to challenge the listeners too. So, hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can, so, can kind of see. I can kind of see it again why you would yeah, so. make that kind of decision. It's more of a lasting impact kind of thing, to be honest. Right. Like, if your lyrics are meaningful, every time someone listens to it, they're going to pick up something with the other. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I used to have that with Eminem. 
Yeah. But then it was a lot mm. more frequent with your stuff. The stuff hits you so hard because, <laughs> you know, I remember having this discussion with you where you yeah. explained the difference to me between depth yeah. and between cleverness. There's a difference. Right. Yeah, there's definitely. a difference. Definitely. Eminem is very witty. Yeah. But he's not as deep as Lupe Fiasco, for instance. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. tell the audience a little bit about that. I mean, I, I guess like sure, like uh, at least in hip hop, hip hop is more like a sport than a genre, if you ask me, because there are so many cool techniques, tricks, you know, um, skills that you could employ as a lyricist, right? Mm. Um, there is using the skill to like highlighting the skill itself, mm. and then there's using the skill to convey a message very mm. skillfully, right? Um, the school of, you know, Eminem type of rappers like Eminem, Logic, Hobson, I mean, no hate for those guys or whatever. They're all very skillful uh, lyricists. They showcase their skill before like any message. So like the message is there to like support the skill. It's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it comes to artists That's like Aesop Rock, uh, Lupe Fiasco and uh, you know blue and all these guys milo and all the, all those other rappers they for them the skill comes behind uh, it takes the second seat first seat goes to the message or the story so yeah i would say that is kind of the distinction i mean it's it's up to it's like different cuisines of food man it's about it's about preference at the end of the day do you want to like see fancy techniques and talents or do you want to see hear something delivered through these techniques so that's totally up to the listener Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, as someone who you know, admittedly, basically grew up on Eminem and yeah, no other rapper. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally that's totally no fine, other yeah. rapper. Um, to make that transition, yeah, to when you know you, the music makes you work for it. If that makes yeah. any sense. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah, I yeah. have to work to fully grasp and decipher every layer of meaning. Mm. And, you know, sometimes there's even beauty in giving up and mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. someone else do it because yeah. you mm-hmm. still learn something. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, I think with artists like Lupe mm-hmm. and yourself, you know, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm putting you guys in the same boat. And don't. In terms don't. Of, I'm and like <laughs> in terms of not. I Listen, I don't want this humility from you. All right. No, man. <laughs> Lupe is like out of this galaxy, let alone like solar system, let alone this planet. He's out of this galaxy and I'm You're, still here on It's Humble nice Earth. to see that you have such a profound idol. It's nice to see. I mean, I, mean uh, I, I like Lupe for certain things, but when it comes to music and stuff like that, sure. Like production, I wouldn't really call him my idol, but it's just taking the best parts of different, different artists. That's what I meant. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. It's, it's his execution with some of some of his lyrics yeah yeah i mean he adds both depth and wittiness yeah how do you you how do you do that it's like his lyrics are poetic yeah but then at the same time they're catchy yeah so that's i i see yourself trying to strike the same balance with a lot of your music and you yeah. succeed to a very large degree so it's nice <laughs> to see that it's it's nice to see that um you know there's a very nice structure um going on here of learning speaking of learning and idols yeah um just briefly coming into hip hop mm. uh, obviously the first artist you probably heard was Eminem, correct? Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. But then how did your tastes evolve? And who do you look up to most today? 
So I guess it started from obviously Eminem and the whole real rap phase. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, any kid on YouTube can go check a U Eminem comments and any Eminem yeah. video is about yeah. like <laughs> zero percent, zero women, zero money, zero gold diggers, zero drugs, hundred yeah. percent talent. You know that cliche. Yeah. And I was that cliche for a long time. And then, you know, you well, start Eminem, going to Eminem comments, Eminem comments. You have people writing verses to his beats. Yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is. So it's nice to have someone that visionary, to be honest. Like, right. if you're inspiring people to write every day, I don't care what kind of music you make, you've made it. In my books, you've made it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. There's Eminem. And then after like listening to Eminem, you look for like similar rappers or like the best rappers of yeah. all time. And then yeah. you often get this skewed old school friendly list. Yeah. Like there's always this uh, idea amongst publications and like people like the best rap has gone. That's why Golden Age was right. the 90s. Yeah. So, right. And yeah. I also held that belief for a long time until I opened my mind up and started listening to Kendrick. And a lot mm -hmm. of like current gen, yes, artists, yeah, right. I mean, uh, in early two thousand, mid two thousands and stuff, and that stuff blew my mind. And then you realize the whole idea that the past was better than the future. I mean, current is it's it's just a matter of uh, nostalgia, and it's a matter of uh, yeah, no fear of trying new things. And Kendrick was fantastic. And then it slowly moved on to like artists who are very futuristic. Like first, I started from old school then currently relevant then i moved entirely mm -hmm. into like futuristic artists i mm -hmm. became obsessed with the idea of being ahead of your time so futuristic artists being like well mf doom uh i wouldn't call mf a futuristic he was he was definitely crazy for his time um someone like say you know death grips and uh, jpeg mafia heard that oh yeah jpeg jpeg i know jpeg right. I, I couldn't and get like, into his music i tried very hard it's, it's <laughs> difficult it's, it's <laughs> a quiet taste i'm not gonna lie it's not even about that, to be honest. I was having this discussion with Casey. I have a hard time getting into old school music. It doesn't right. sound the same to me. I mean, so, it doesn't sound old school. I mean, yeah. No, he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't. I'm trying yeah. to draw a parallel where there's this particular, if I may use the term, paradigm that I've grown mm. up in, where mm -hmm. it's like, okay, Eminem and Eminem-like rappers. And then you have right, people right. who experiment mm -hmm. with trap. And then mm -hmm. you have people who experiment with other sounds, like yourself, mm -hmm. like some producers. Are. And then you've got people like Giovanze. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's the circle, mm -hmm. almost, right. that's widening very, very, very slowly for myself that I've grown up in. And anything mm -hmm. on the left end of the circle, old school, mm -hmm. hardcore boom bap, uh, right. very old sounds, and anything yeah. on the extreme right, JPEG yeah. Mafia, for instance, is hard mm. for me to get into, you know? It's almost yeah. like the growth pattern of my music is cardioid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't worry, it'll turn to figure eight or like Hopefully. super cardioid. No, yeah. super cardioid, that's more narrow. Hopefully, super cardioid. Yeah. Narrow, yeah. yeah. Hopefully it goes figure eight one day. But yeah. what Casey said was, uh, no, mm. what your opinion on this, he said that the production value isn't the same. And maybe mm. that's why I'm having such a hard time because it just sounds different. Now, don't mm. get me wrong. There are some old school songs that I cannot stop listening to, that I cannot stop up in my head to, like Living Proof from, from Bad Meets Evil. That's a very right. old school vibe to it. Yeah. But then at the same time, maybe it's because of Eminem and Royce that I like it. And I keep right. asking myself mm -hmm. this question. Mm -hmm. So why is it so particularly difficult for some mm -hmm. people to get into music that sounds so different? 
Is, it, is there a level of discomfort, separation? Because there's definitely. nothing wrong with the music, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. It challenges you. Anything that challenges you. The point of music or any other form of entertainment that's commonly understood is it's supposed to be a form of escapism or relaxation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you listen to music uh, that is like totally challenging, that's just more work. And people want to get away from work and they want to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, so, yeah, obviously. In terms of like a short-term gratification, I mean, sure, definitely. And that's nothing wrong with that. I love like, you know, that kind of music too. Like Playboy Cardi and Travis and all those folks, I would absolutely yeah. die for these guys. They're absolutely incredible. <laughs> but people people have their mind blown when I tell this to them. They're like, wait, do you like this stuff? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it comes back to the conversation about acquired taste, right? At yeah. the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, how you said, like, you can't get back into the, you can't get into old music or like JPEG Mafia, as you said. It's like, again, with like acquired taste or for myself, yeah, 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 person, personal, like, you know, preference, I guess. Mm. Speaking again of preferences for Reyes, I'm going to try to avoid putting you in too tight of a corner here, but I want okay. you to explain to me one thing. Okay. Why experimental hip hop? Right. Why, like, I'm not trying to be mean here, but no, try no, and understand totally my intentions, right? Is mm. it really that difficult mm. to make music that a vast majority of people like? Right. And just make that kind of music. What made you think that, you know, well, I want to do something different and potentially better in the future. What is this desire within you for mm. creating your own sound? Can you explain that to me, please? I mean, uh, I mean, if I if I said it was just purely out of like inspiration and purely my artistic spirit cannot be chained and stuff like that, that would be a lie. <laughs> right. Sure, there is a business motive to it, and that is to be unique, right? Yeah, that's my USP. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. That right. is that is my right. thing. But on the other right hand, uh, I mean, right side brain, the creative side, um, I always liked art that. Uh, challenges other art. It's not just about challenging the listener. But if a fellow artist looked at it, I want them to reevaluate their process entirely. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. every time I listen to a different artist, I do that to myself. And I feel like, you know, take a taste of what I go through. And which means I'll end up making, I want to do things very differently Mm -hmm. um, to a point where it fundamentally questions everything that that is there about that genre or about that piece of art. You know, the process, like people mm-hmm. say, like, right. oh, you cannot mix yeah. it like that. You cannot side chain this to this. You know, that's, that's right. not that's that doesn't sound good. I'm like, who said that? You know, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And every time I send my music to friends and whatnot, they're like, hey, man, you need to change the mix on this. I guess it's all clear. I'm like, that's the point. It's supposed to be obscure. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, exactly. So when you make people question their fundamental understanding of everything, uh, they slowly it, it's not just about being different. It's also about. Yeah, sharing a piece of that growth with other people. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to again, like you know, when it when you talk about experimenting with words, when you talk about experimenting with beats, when you talk about experimenting with your style, yeah. essentially, yeah. it's like you know, you can end up doing something really good, make mm. a banger out of it, or you can just end up having something really shit, and you would know it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because the response that you get from it would impact it anyway like for example if i were to write you know go rap lyrical again Mm. in my poetry Mm. people would be like some people would go oh this is like really good shit what are you doing how are you doing Mm. this like what how are you experimenting at the Mm. same time there will be other people like nah this doesn't feel like you 
Right. Exactly. Right. And right, right. at the end of the day, it's just like, man, like I don't really, I don't really care at this point. Like <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing me. Like if you exactly. were, if you, if you spoke to, um, I'd say 15, 16 year old me when he started writing, he would mm. give a shit. He would give a lot of shit about what the author said. Right. But 20, 20, 20, almost 21 year old me would be mm. like, nah, man, f- screw you. I don't care. I'm doing That's this for good. me. That's good. That's really like, great. So at the end of the day, just, I guess, I, I don't know why people have a problem with experimenting. <laughs> you know, it's, I love, I love the fact that people experiment with their stuff. I do. Like if tomorrow Eminem came out with a pop single, I would be like, holy shit, what is this? Eminem comes out with pop singles all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the I most pop like rapper there is. Like he's more pop than Michael Moore at this point, sometimes. <laughs> so like, like, I, imagine, I like what he imagine, used to do in the past. No, with, you know with what? Rock, as, as soon as you said that, in my head, it just popped up like a collab that I never thought I'd think of in my life. Who? Eminem X Taylor Swift. I mean, the, it's not so far the, off. He's worked with the funny thing is, yeah, 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 actually, would yeah, to yeah be he actually could pull it off. I think it's 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 just that it's that um, he embraces his diversity, and oh, yeah. you embrace your diversity. Now he's not as diverse as it used to be, but this podcast isn't about Eminem. This podcast is about Mark One, <laughs> um, which is why. Um, my next question to you would be, I think you've, you've, you've eased out of the corner that I had you in earlier pretty well, um, which was, you know, um, why, why experimental? Um, one thing that I want to ask you still, though, like, um, how would you answer? And I think you mentioned this, but tell the audience, hmm. when someone like Giovanni, who's a very, very seasoned producer, who makes, who literally, in his own words, quote unquote, shits music when he's in the mood, right? who literally produces so much that is mm. both quality and quantity. Um, when he says something like, uh, why did Mark One mix your freestyle so low? Why did, mm. why did the vocals, because I tend to mix very loudly. Mm. And I, I noticed this yesterday as well. It's like, sometimes it's almost as if the lyrics are on the exact same level as the melody, right? Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, why do you do that? So I guess there's multiple ways of looking at it. But uh, number one, I would say is I'm not just a rapper. I'm a producer too, right? So it's not just the lyrics that carry my spirit. It's every single sound that is in there. And Mm -hmm. often I have a tendency to like value them just as much as the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Like I want people to pay equal attention to the small, you know, the glitches, the small snippets of sounds that I insert in every little pocket of the sound uh, of the track. Um, I want people to listen to that. But like if the sure, like lyrics are important. Absolutely. That's what I call myself number one. But uh, since I am a producer as well, and the the sounds also carry a lot of context and meaning it, I I like to think them as like equals, but Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would be pretentious to say that is the case every every time. Sometimes I just mix uh, out of uh, I just make mi- mix mistakes, and that's just common. You know, it just happens. Yeah, it's like making yeah. mistakes is like a normal thing. At the that end of happens. The day. That yeah. definitely happens there. And it's here. something you you really can't avoid at the end of the day. 
I mean, you could if you were, yeah. like, you know, with the right ear and training and the equipment and whatnot. But uh, I'm I'm trying to get there. Eventually, I'll find the perfect right. balance. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. the balance yeah. is off. And I'm, I'm cool. okay to live with that failure sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it's like the mistakes. They At the end of the day, the mistakes are something you learn from. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, I mean, I make a heck load of mistakes at times with my writing. Mm. Right. Yeah, like, it just ends up being this sort of... Um, I say, it's like something I don't notice while I'm writing, because mm. as Ali talks about Yuanze shifting music when he's in mm. the mood, mm. I shit out I shit out pieces when I'm in the mood. <laughs> like mm-hmm, right. I, I'm I'm like <clears throat> writing ten to fifteen pieces a day if I'm in the mood, mm-hmm. and they're like ranging from twenty five lines to thirty lines, right at times. So like yeah. like that that whole. Then when you're in the mood and you're just in the flow, you just don't care about the mistakes. You just write. Yeah, yeah. And then you just want to put that out at right that moment. But then later on, when you reread it, you're like, "Oh shit, I missed this out. I missed that out." But then <laughs> right. at the end of the day, it's just like passion. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Passion just strikes you at that moment of time, and then you're just like, you know what, screw it, let it be. It like let the people see the mistakes. Right. I don't. I don't really care what they think about it. At the end of the day, it's just like you know me being passionate about what I write. Hmm. So essentially, Fervez, you see value in um, treating your vocals, from my understanding of what you just said, um, you treat your vocals almost like another instrument. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so you want it to to complement the melody as opposed to use the melody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is that like... Listen, up-and-coming rappers, we're in the UAE scene. Up-and-coming rappers, y'all's best have your notes... No pads out right now. Take notes. It's not. It's not. It's not really revolutionary or new. I mean, yeah, Kanye yeah, has been doing yeah. it since day one. Like, True. This is what True. set Kanye uh, apart yeah, from everybody else because True. he treated his voice like an instrument. True. And True. Uh, yeah, there was a point where I didn't understand the difference. So I remember when I was in the process of, and when I mean in the process, when I was literally in the building at Murdoch. I think this mm. was before you'd graduated, I'd gone for an open mic. Yeah. And Giovanni promised me to send me a clean version of my instrumental and I had a few minutes left mm-hmm. and he mixed too loudly. So I was like, bro, you need to like shuffle this around a little bit. So he did and he sent it to me and he said something to me that I thought about for a long time. He mm. said, bro, the sample that you sent me, I didn't treat it like a sample, a vocal sample. I treated it like an instrument hmm. um, to make it sound better. And now, now when I go back to it, when I hear Greta Thunberg talking in line with the instruments and with the echo and with the same percussion and the same mixing uh, that he applied to the instruments, it makes so much sense. Because I was like, this is complementing the sound. It's driving it forward yeah. as opposed oh, yeah. to rapping over. You don't rap over a song. You rap yeah. on a song. You rap in yeah. a song. Exactly. I, I see it now. That's very exactly. interesting. Yeah. Uh, speaking more about interesting points, um, mm. one more thing before we jump right into Heavenfall EP. Out now, right. by the way, guys. Yeah. Uh, you said that you grew up on battle rap to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. What was that about? Can you tell us? Uh, like I said, you would often notice me using the word weapon when describing that feeling I tell you guys about in high school, like I yeah. got from rap music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was such a closest thing to a superpower. It's like you could challenge someone on something and something I was able to win for once, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel you. And uh, yeah, battle rap really forces people to be super witty. And like, remember I told you like, content versus skill yeah, and yeah. them supporting each other 
battle rap is in the right most extreme of skill. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, sometimes you could bring in uh, disses that expose people and like it has some kind of a messaging or content. But right. if you notice most battle rap, it, it's, it's about as good training your skill can get. It forces yeah. you to be really witty. It forces you to, you know, be quick on your feet. Um, it, it, it's, it's sure it's about like dissing and insulting someone else, but it's if it's a good, it's a good sport. It's a sport, like, and yeah. the sport part of rap is like really highlighted in that part, area. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. if like, you notice, a lot of great rappers started out from battle rapping, like Eminem mm-hmm. himself. He's a monster of a battle rapper, and uh, the whole punchline structure is rap. Ba- battle rappers have the best punchlines after comedians, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. For real, that's really for real. true. That's really like, true. Yeah. So, like, I think the improv skill comes into play. Like, it increases yeah. really much after your exactly. battle rapping. Exactly. And also, something that um, some people might disagree with. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this uh, when you were doing it for Riz. When you're battle rapping, even yeah. if you don't know the guy, you get really emotionally involved. <laughs> <laughs> like when I say emotionally involved, like. It's almost like the lyrics are flowing through you. It's almost as if there's like some higher power driving <laughs> words out of your mind and out of your mouth. Like there was this once, and I've told no one this. I'm never going to release this track. If I record it, I'll send it to you two, probably yeah. no one else. So yeah. I've written a diss track. It's a very, right. very long diss track. Like Bro. if, you, if oh. you think Black Box, White Box is long. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh, okay. It, it's it's same ballpark. For, same ballpark. for our audience, I know exactly what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna drop any. I'm not gonna drop any names, right? Think right. of a sound a cow makes and then double it. Anyway, um, uh, no, it's not a Doja Cat this. What did I say? Shit. Anyway, no, 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 no. Okay, I don't want this to get uh, taken out of context. Okay, but let let let's let's make it, let's put it this way. This yeah. distract has been in the works for almost. Three years now? Three, four well, years? I mean, it's done. I, I got I mean, done. done yeah, I got yeah, done with just, it. I just never go around to recording it because I changed my mind about it. And I was like, fine, right. live and let live. But <laughs> essentially, I wrote the bulk of that um, in a few minutes while walking from the bus stop to my house because mm. I was just so pissed at the guy. I was like, I was out of my mind pissed at the guy at that particular moment and right. stuff was flowing out like this was the first time first time in my life where I uh, without even realizing it was flowing on a consistent bar flowing on a consistent rhythm and rhyming multiple syllables at the same time and I wasn't even mm. trying mm. this was I would say my unlock as mm. as an artist as right. a lyricist mm. so when you say that um, battle rap uh, literally made Eminem the way he is, and hmm. it 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 helped you sharpen and harness your skills, yeah. I think that the emotional and the musical factor and the skill factor go hand in hand with an art like battle rap, definitely. Because your mind is so focused on one goal, and yeah. that one goal is to decimate. Right. Right. I think in in a slightly messed up way, that's beautiful. If you ask. Me. <laughs> In a slightly right. messed up way. Uh, um, that's why martial arts is yeah. called arts at the end of the day. Yeah. It's about yeah. fighting, yeah. right? It's, it is. There's it a is. beauty to it. Yeah. It's about right. fighting and conquering, but then the movement, every movement along the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I totally exactly. get what you're saying. It's yeah. this, this entire conversation about being real and like being emotional when you're writing and all that. Like, it's just, I just went back to reading my old pieces. 
Yeah, poets, poets bro. would definitely agree with this as well. Bro, Ali, Ali will know this. My old pieces, the one I used to write. Hmm. Oh, bro, the amount of realism in them. They, they was literally all just like deep, pure, pure, pure feelings. Yeah. And Not, you know, it's really funny. It's funny how we're talking about one of the most violent forms of rap, and yet we see so much. It has so much emotional, so much internal value to offer in a weird way. Mm. Even though a lot of the time it's just you kill kill the person in front of you, <laughs> uh, I think it's more about how it makes the person feel, as you said. Right. Um, how I feel as a person when writing something like that, um, it definitely plays a role. Um, now there is uh, another thing. Let's just dive a little bit deeper into your music and to your discography uh, yeah. for a moment. Yeah. Um, your first album was called Terabithia EP. Yeah. And uh, I'll be very honest with you. First time I heard that, didn't understand shit. Um, <laughs> I'm being real. I was like, I was my the first question I had in my mind is yeah. this rap, right? Right. Okay. But then, but then right. I listened to it and had the decency to talk to you about it, and then I started <laughs> to see each individual layer unfold and unravel mm. till it reduced me to tears. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> Yeah, it's a slow And I think burn. that's the value of understanding the context and where the artist is coming from. Hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about Terabithia EP. How did that come about? Tell us the incident that took place that that made you write such a, I would say, powerful, powerful T- tape. A- anybody who has watched the film Bridge to Terabithia would know what that movie exactly is about. Uh, I had a friend, uh, his name was Daniel, and uh, he was in grade four. It was a one year I was in India, right? Man, shit happens in India. Um, I lost him in an accident. And like, I guess that was my first real loss that happened to me uh, at such a young age. Like I've mm-hmm. seen stuff go down, but I never really like felt lost like I did, like losing somebody you daily interact with. And the concept of death at that age, it, it really kind of like left a mark on me. And coping with that, yeah, (laughs) no pun intended, (laughs) but uh, coping with that was quite the challenge. And Mm. uh, often people cope cope with like things like that through denial, right? Mm. A huge part of it is denial. In fact, the first response is denial. And I guess I never really processed that through that denial. Terabithia AP is about like a made up heaven, a pseudo... Uh, heaven or like an imaginary place where I still never let go of that person and I kept that person with me in my mind and at the end of it I'm falling from this pseudo heaven into back back to reality because there's only so long I can hold on to this one person and deny you know emotional availability and like vulnerability Mm -hmm. and intimacy Mm -hmm. to the people that are here in front of me right Mm -hmm. my friends my family Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what like the story of Terabithia is like you know being lost in that world then, you know, recollecting memories, seeing what they, you know, recalling how much they were worth to me hmm. and eventually saying, you know what, I'm ready to let go. You know, right. it's very, it's, it's, it's very ironic because I would say Terabithia as a whole is the definition of creating your own world. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like building a house around you to isolate yeah. yourself from everyone so you can grieve and you can open up and so you can let your emotions flow freely. Yeah. And the reason I say it's ironic because in the most hellish circumstances, yeah. your first instinct was to create a heaven around you. Right. 
And I think yeah. that's beautiful. Wow. Even I, think I didn't that's... think of it that way. That's crazy. <laughs> I think, <That's>... <laughs> well, having heard your most recent tape, Heavenfall, Mm. It, 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 it's that's what it was i mean um ladies and gents give this album a listen and even if you don't understand <laughs> the lyrics shut your eyes and let the sounds take you on on a journey through right through through this beautiful struggle mm. it's, it's a beautiful pain almost i, I would i would like to say <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of beautiful pain, yeah. um, no pun intended. Shout out to Sia, shout out to Eminem. Um, your third <laughs> track, um, Sunflower Moonflower. Yeah. Um, that was that was the first time. That song mm. was the first time. Right. When I understood what deep music is and what <laughs> clever music is. Right. When I started to read the opening lyrics, like just sit and read because I was bored. And yeah. then on my headsets it was tales that i could tell pales to comparison sales of a boatman fails to count his riches swim across those murky waters meet you by the bank if he comes chasing for you plant the arrows at his flank tell atlas he can take his leave i have practiced weighing time when i grieve if i go down your path i'll need more than four records and i don't remember the rest but no, all of this is, wow. is off the top of my head and it's off the top of my head because it was ingrained into right. the top of my head not by repetition but by feeling yeah um now with these lyrics it was it was a story it was mm -hmm. a story and if i could summarize for the audience it yeah. was it was a story of you're you're talking to your friend and you're saying that no amount of no amount of pain or grief that i've experienced in the world that comes close to to, to the story of your passing yeah. um and then when the ancient Greek mythical boatman, and guys, I want you to take note of the of the depth <laughs> here, right? When the ancient Greek mythical boatman come to take comes to take you across um, to the afterlife, I want you to jump off the boat, try swimming back, <laughs> swimming back to me, and you know, coming back from the edge of afterlife. And the thing is, I was thinking about this a bit more. The reason it's so beautiful is you make mention of suicidal tendencies and your yeah. own unsureness as to whether or not you wanted to continue living at the time. Yeah. Because when you say, when you say, and I quote, um, swim across those murky waters, meet you by the bank. What you're saying is that you yourself are at the edge of life and death. Yeah. And so you either want your friend back or you want to dive in. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it took me months to come to this conclusion, guys. Months. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, um, right now is peak. It's fangirling. It's fangirling. There's no better no, word for man. it. I'm, I'm, I'm like really like grateful for this. Like, wow. Like, not a lot of people get it, but yeah, you got it yeah. to the T. It hit. It hit all of a sudden. And of course, he concludes with "Tell Atlas he can take his leave." I've practiced waiting time when I grieve, saying that the. Um, I believe um, Atlas was an ancient Greek deity, or um, he, was a, uh, um, he was a Titan, Atlas right? Was, right. Who was punished by the gods in Olympus for uh, he was basically sentenced to holding literally the world on his shoulders, the weight of the, the sky, entire actually. world on his shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because there's a show that I used to watch a lot. I think it was yeah it was it was it was Chowder. Do you remember Chowder? Yeah, yeah. And there was an episode in Chowder where Chowder is talking to 
a Greek looking individual with the entire world on his shoulders. And that was my mm. first exposure to Atlas. Right. And, you know, to say that the pain to you is is heavier than the weight of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you need a hug? <laughs> <laughs> Man, people ask me all the time, are you okay after listening to It's amazing. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's amazing. But yeah. guys, Terabithia EP, I just wanted to give you a taste of Mark 1. Please <laughs> don't take this in the wrong way. Of, of what Mark 1 is all about. Um, right. Go check out the album for yourselves. Maybe you'll reach conclusions that I could only dream of. Right. Now, coming out coming of the it. fantasy of Terabithia and out of the heaven... You fell to earth, didn't you? Yeah. You fell to yeah. earth. Yeah. And and that gave way to heavenfall. Yeah. What was your philosophy behind, first of all, making a sequel? Yeah. And second of all, making a sequel as scary, for lack of a better <laughs> word, as, as heavenfall? A lot of it was very, very circumstantial, if I have yeah. to be honest. Well, yeah. I always had it in my mind. I'll definitely like revisit these EPs or I'll make a sequel eventually. And I had like other projects, you know, juggling and floating around uh, my workflow. But um, Heavenfall like just took the cake in terms of priority because 2020, 2020 is Heavenfall. Like this year is basically the reason why I told myself, you know what, this EP needs to be made, written, made and like heard by people like this year, because this year was one of the most challenging years for all of humanity in a sense, Mm. right? Like, sure, I've had bad years before and like at least knowing I'm the only one that's in pain and everybody else is like kind of doing okay. Mm. It gives you hope. Like, sure, eventually you'll be better or like it's at least they are not suffering. But this is the year where like I was kind of okay. Everybody else around you was suffering. Like, you know, lost jobs, people dying in COVID, um, you know, some political issue or something or the other, Mm. the shitty economy. Like seeing all that collective suffering around you, it just, it, it, it leaves, it definitely like messes a person up. And for me, it was about, the point of Mark 1 is about honesty and hope. That's like the two words I would use to describe Mark 1, Project Mark. And when is a better time to give those two things, if not now? And right. Heavenfall was like the perfect medium to like give those two things. So, and especially like Terabithia was 2019 and it was exactly during that EP, I did find closure and I found myself like, you know, growing up into an adult, like technically we've been adult for four years, but we really become an adult when you're thrown into the job market, when you're no longer with your peers and whatnot every single day and, you know, stuff like that. Right. And I happen to have all that experience in 2020. <laughs> so it was definitely a feeling of falling from heaven into like mm-hmm. the reality of earth and right. the reality of 2020, especially. So I wanted to just give voice to like that collective suffering and then Man. give my perspective on how do we go about it. And like when I heard the EP, I told you this already. I think yeah. I told yeah. you like I was in tears at the end of it. I was like, yeah. what the hell, man? This was heavy. Yeah. It was heavy because it's all like true because 2020 has been a shit year. Yeah. But I think it's like at the end of the day, you know, I want to like give out hope here because 2020 was the essentially the year that I guess developed me. For right. Me. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's, it's not going to be the same for everyone. Let's let, let, like obviously putting into perspective, it's not going to be the same for everyone. 2020 can be a great year. 2020 can be a mediocre year. Right. Or it can go to absolute shit for you. Mm. But for me, it was like, top level development 
human development. Right. No, yeah, same. Could, Absolutely, it's the same. Yeah. Because even like when making, ter- sorry. no, here's the, sorry, it's okay. No one is was expecting like 2020 to be this shit. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, 2020 is our year, you know? Or 2020, we're going to be different human beings. 2020, we're going to do this. New, new decade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Kobe, number yeah. one. Sorry, right. right there. Then it just went Corona, then that, then that, then that, then that, okay. that, that, that. It's like dominoes literally falling, but for mm-hmm. like the bad sense, not the satisfying sense. Right. Exactly. That's what we're saying. Uh, yeah, so speaking of development, yeah, that's definitely a strong point what Ali Hamad mentioned. Like that's kind of the central theme of like growth being induced by just pain and suffering. And I even mentioned in one of my posts before the release of Heavenfall. Ironically, despite this album sounding super gnarly and difficult on the ears and like, you know, very distorted and harsh, the word hope and uh you know, finding meaning and like those kind of words kept showing up over and over. Right. And sometimes, most of the time, it wasn't by intent. It's just like every time I wrote it, they just kept appearing on the, you know, my phone. I write it on my phone, right? I don't use pen and paper now. <laughs> but they just kept appearing no matter what. And like, like off of the keyboard? Yeah. I mean, not just like that. It's just like I have a process where I just let myself loose and I just like throw right. a bunch of words at a wall. And the word hope happened, like, it was the one word that just kept happening to repeat over and over. Hmm. And, um, yeah, exactly. It, it forces you to, like, it forces the best out of you, a difficult year. Hmm. And this yeah. is the best I can do through my music. That was kind of the point. And a lot of criticism that people did have criticisms for Terabithia that it was just me talking to a, another person, like a person that none of them, like, really know. It was me being in my own world. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Here's heaven fall. I'm talking directly to you, the listener, every single time. Right. So, yeah. Mm. Guys, by the way, for a nice Easter egg, uh, don't reverse track two. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> the real message of the real message of heaven fall can be found <laughs> reversing track two. no i mean uh, no spoilers no spoilers no that's definitely gonna make people reverse track two <laughs> yes. while not mentioning what the actual thing is there is i there is a definite context behind it yeah um, I, I can like let you guys in on it without exactly telling the people what it what we are actually actually talking about. Yes, the please. context the context is like uh. <laughs> um, it's, it's it might sound weird, but like the Terran is about the Earth talking to people. Like, hmm, look right. at all the things you have done, yeah. Terran. Like, look at all Terran, the things you have done. Like, right. The name and, is out, like Earth. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. Oh. You're just you're just like you know one of those muddlings basically yeah. <laughs> and uh there is a, a sort of a sexual tension if that makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> like like especially like when, when you talk about greek mythology and like when you talk about right. all those kind of things there was right. gaia and there was chaos and how like everything was born out of it um the idea of like sexual tension and like things being born out of other Right, but sometimes the dark reality of it, like it was born out of not, not, no choice. There was no choice. It was eventually, you know, meant to be born out of this way. Right, like s- screw it all up, human. Like go for it. 
And that's kind of like the intent, not the intent, like the context behind that sample reversed. It, <laughs> it sounds very dirty in first listen. But yeah. if you go through some of the lyrics and you go through a lot of the verses over and over, you realize like you're screwing the earth up. Exactly. If, if honestly, honestly speaking, if with a mature interpretation, it's, yeah. it can literally be one of two things for me. One, it could just be like the person speaking the 2020 saying, you know, and exactly. then it could be, yeah. it could be the earth saying to, to us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're right. And you guys are going to have to reverse it to find out, man. I love creating this kind of weird tension there. Like, just say it. Say the lyric. God damn it. No, we're going to get, get messages after this. Oh, you better send us the damn sample, bro. I'm not sending you the sample. Go listen to the music. Go scream it. Yeah. Scream yeah. revenue. Um, diving straight in. Yeah. Honestly, driving straight, straight, straight into track two. Um, to be honest, it wasn't that hard to understand. Yeah. Because it was scary and it was real yeah. and it was shit. This is what we're doing to the earth. This is what yeah. we're doing on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 if I could really ask you, ask you individually about lyrics. So first of all, one thing that immediately caught my eye, the first lyric of the first verse was Kenneth Copeland smiles. You have arrived. What, yeah. Why Kenneth Copeland? Okay, all my Christian friends, I don't know, audiences, they might be offended. Kenneth Copeland is a preacher. He's yeah. uh, one of those tele-evangelists, you know, those billionaire preachers with like private jets. I did jets. a bit of research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, actually starting that song, like I, I usually, uh, the workflow for this album was make the beat, then write the lyrics. Mm. Once I made the beat, I wanted like the most messed up image to first appear in pe the person's face. Like a person's uh -huh. mind when they read the lyric, right? And sure, I could have gone with something gnarly like blood and guts and like all those kind of things, but I don't want to be cliche. Mm. I wanted to have like a very human element, but I still wanted to be messed up. For me, Kenneth Copeland is a representation of like selling, commodifying and selling hope and like meaning to people, like some right. sort of this commercialized connection to God, right? Mm -hmm. while they're, the life behind, like, you know, the preaching and everything is totally messed up. It's a lie. It's a hypocrisy, right? What, mm -hmm. what can be more messed up than, like, selling that to people? Oh, damn. I never thought of it that way, but it makes a lot and more like, sense. Honestly, I, you thought you picked, um, I thought you picked it because Kenneth Copeland's smile is creepy. It is creepy. Exactly. That's exactly. That's another thing. He when he it, it, it does look it look creepy. And the like, long and short of it short. is, he has a very very long, very wide jaw, and so and when his he eyes smiled, are super, he's literally smiling from ear to ear, and his eyes are super like, you know, it's a creepy smile. Yeah, and like I could have chosen any other person's creepy smile, but Kenneth Copeland fit perfectly there. It did. It did. And it if you notice, there is more allusion towards false prophets as the thing as the verse keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Single eye, monocle vision, talking about like Dajjal and Antichrist. Like, oh, that's what you went by single eye, monocle vision. Yeah, all your prophets. And um, that's why I started with Kenneth Copeland. I went down in that line, like the earth talking to people. There are things you could have just, that just could have been, but you chose to listen to these people as your prophets. And this is what you have done so far. Ladies and gents, please, <laughs> please note the, note the, the levels. The first <laughs> level is Kenneth Copeland. The second level is Kenneth Copeland's smile is creepy. The third level <laughs> is what, what Mark Owen just said. <laughs> False prophets, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing.
It's mind blowing. Um, if I may ask you about another lyric in particular as well, yeah, we're yeah. just trying to break things down a little bit to make it easier for. Honestly, I would say this is the easiest song on the album to understand, guys. Without too much <laughs> effort, you're gonna see, you're gonna see what is being said, where it's being said, and it's it is by far the catchiest song on the album as well because of the hook. And now that you've told us that this is basically the earth talking to the person, yeah. every lyric makes more sense. Yeah. It's not you making the accusations. It's the earth making the accusations. Yeah. Like, I don't like doing the preaching to people. Like, yeah. I, if I'm against preachers, it would be hypocritical of me to like preaching to people. Like, these are things I feel the earth would have told me. It's objective. Yeah. Everything you've said on the song is an objective reality. Yeah. The seeds are being poisoned. The ground is burning. Yeah. Uh, we are, unfortunately, and this this almost brings tears to my eyes when I say it. Honor did kill the brown girl. Yeah. It yeah. did kill the brown girl. Yeah. There is no denying yeah. that we've, as a race, we've become so self-centered in <laughs> getting what we want. Right. That we will damage and harm anything, anything mm. that gets in the way, even if it's our own families. Right. There's just so much. There's just so, so much I could talk about, to be very honest. There's so much I could ask you about. Tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, well, Giovanni describes it as random screaming. Right. Why in parts of the album have you decided to scream out the lyrics? We can start off by what I just mentioned. Like... It's a very great question. Um, they're actually super, super deliberate in the sense. Yeah. Uh, like in Terabithia, one thing I personally noticed room for growth was like um, vocal expression. Like yeah. the lyrics were very expressive and vivid, but my voice yeah. itself was like, it was like a narrator's voice. It was neutral throughout the time in a sense. Yeah. Like the variability was between the speed of saying things. Yeah. Like there were fast verses, then there would be normal pace verses. This song, uh, this album, I wanted to like show, really show the intensity of some of the things that I wrote, like how it truly made me feel. And, mm. you know, it's it's crazy that people come to me like you guys and like some other folks that tell me like some of the lyrics brought tears to my eyes. Mm -hmm. Those same things were like making me cry when I wrote them. Like, especially yeah. when I was recording them, like I legit felt like my eyes tearing up and I was like, why you know like it, it's the depth of how much it affects me and makes me feel so like mm -hmm. honor killed the brown girl blood drenched world would you ever i mean blood drenched burl would you ever come around world like that line it, it when i wrote it it literally echoed in my own head for like days and every time i woke up and i just Whoa. wanted to like maybe that you know replicate that echo and just like put it out there yeah. like this is how yeah. it, i hear it you hear it the same way and that applies to a lot of lyrics in the album mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that entire third verse is very interesting because it it's almost like each verse is thematic. The first verse, you're talking about false prophets. You're talking about capitalism. Um, capitalism, exactly. Yeah. Milking, milking us their blood. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking about, uh, this is an alert that I found interesting. Tear out your veins. This, that string and all of the copper. Into the socket, crack rock, fill your shots with your fellow man's blood. Because, yeah. well, what are you... There's a, at least three things you're trying to get at here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit about these particular lyrics. I don't want to talk about this. I want to let you talk about it. I mean, that lyric, um, especially like, well, the aim was to... How do I First say First of all, it? it sounds a lot like Mural. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the point is, uh, if you notice there, why there are a lot of glitches and like these kind of digital artifacts throughout the album is mm. I do have a beef with the internet. I do have a beef with social media. Like it has somehow connected all of us and somehow made at least me feel, I don't want to be one of those cringy boomer people, um, feel like very far away and like disconnected from humanity in a sense, right? And like the amount of like, you know, the craziness goes behind like internet relevance and like social media clout and whatnot, like how much people mess themselves up for it. Um, might as well like, sure, we are all connected by a wireless. You might as well like pull out the freaking copper wires that connect us physically, the internet connected to your veins and like screw yourself over. I know it sounds very childish to describe, but mm. like that's kind of the image what I saw, like the, how obsessed we are with this idea of connectivity. But right. somehow we lost the single human connection that we always wanted. Right? Mm -hmm. um, there, there really wasn't a more poetic way to describe it. You know, how I see how I see fill your shots with your fellow man's blood. If you if you look at the, the listener's interpretation, I think you'll you'll agree that you expect your listeners to have different interpretations. Right. That's why Definitely. you right. absolutely. Like absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The way I see it, you're saying that as selfish as you've become, you you might as well literally use yeah the blood of of your fellow men to get high at this point yeah <laughs> literally and that's a definitely a thing especially well that's two things one since i'm also talking about capitalism um it's it's all from the perspective of like a capitalist like labor is blood mm. right and we've mm. seen especially like a lot of these developing countries we've seen life lost to like construction sites we've seen life lost to like industries and whatnot all because these people wanted to make money and they died, right? Mm -hmm. So these people are like literally milking their blood. <laughs> and from the perspective of social media, like this whole influencer culture and vicariously living through other people. Right. We are living through other people's like, yeah. uh, you know, efforts and earning and the schadenfreude, like other people's suffering, yeah. other people's joys. Um, it yeah, scares it's multiple, how it's, indifferent it's, we've become to it, to be honest. Exactly, like it's, Things don't move me as much anymore. I'll, I'll be the first to admit. Yeah. I don't feel as emotionally impacted by by things anymore because living in this world is numbing, man. Yeah, it numbs yeah, you. Exactly. You've got no choice. You've got no exactly. choice. Some people, some people use drugs. Hmm. Some people, they're just so affected that they're done feeling. They're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's not even that you want to accept it. It's just you, you don't know how to feel anymore. Yeah, and you like, see all you this. Yeah. yeah, you don't see any other choice. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm I'm a very empathetic person, like sensitive, empathetic. So I mm. do still, but it's just like at this point, I've become selective about what I want to feel. Right. Like you know, sometimes there's this point in your life where you're just like, okay, you know what's great? I can't bear facing you know negativity, or I can't mm. bear facing exactly. You know, this sad trauma or something i just want to get rid of it i like how it all comes in a circle comes in a full circle at the end and it says like okay because we've been living through the internet and through other people and social media at the end of the day <laughs> your best option seeing as how much bullshit there is on social media and how much knowledge you're aware of of what's going on in the world yeah right. your best option is to disconnect <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i mean like for me right it's just like I've literally, I'm numb to the news at this point. I don't even yeah. look at negative shit anymore. That's mm. sad. That's, I really, it is sad. 
Because I really can't. If I'm like being consumed, like if I'm consuming that content 24-7, which is so negative, mm. and like so, you know, something I don't want to obsess over, mm. at the end of the day, it can become fatal for me. Right. I just cut off. Mm. Like it's probably why I'd like, I'm very like, I think a lot of people have come to me about this as well. And they've been like, why didn't you talk about world issues anymore? Mm. Bro, are you looking at it? <laughs> the same bullshit you see on Instagram. It is like, messed up. Snapchat, like Snapchat was, bro. I was like done with Snapchat. Hmm. I was, it was way too toxic for me. I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm done with hmm. this. And then Instagram, I was like, okay, I'm like first few days, like first few months of me being on Instagram, I was like, fine, because hmm. it wasn't that I'd say impactful or anything in my life. I wasn't caring because I was just on Instagram to write. Hmm. Right. Like I was posting, I was writing, I wasn't really giving a shit about what, what was going on. But then once I made up like a private account hmm. and then I started following friends, I started following like news sites, I started following all these celebrities and everything. I'm just like, bro, I can't live like this anymore. Right. That's like, totally fair. And that's why like exactly after the hook, the bridge kind of like goes, state your business, do leave. The word leave gets repeated over and over and over right. again because... So you, people caused all this and you cannot cope with it. So leave. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah exactly. State your business, business, do it, leave, rake your profits, be the profit, use it, leave. I see the wordplay there. Yeah, Rape exactly. the land, sow your seed with hubrisly, you bake the planet, shit the seas, you should right. leave. According right? to me, yeah. So you're saying being as selfish as you like at this point it's it's almost it's the reason it's sad and the reason it makes you want to break everything and tear your hair out is yeah. because it's literally the earth giving up yeah. that's right. like fine abuse right. me and get out of here die yeah. <laughs> literally like me, yeah. <laughs> had, I, that's the end of it along with the earth perspective that you said i had like this perspective when i when i listened to it i was reading it i was like holy shit he's like okay do your shit fine but just don't mind your own business at the same time right it's like don't like that's that was my take from it like stage your business right. leave rake your profits mm. profit use it leave rape the land sow your seed with hubris leave bake right. the planet should disease you should leave if a chance right. was given you should you would leave please like mm. that's like fuck you and keep your opinions to yourself right. and let me fucking life it's, it's i like interpretation because man. the earth it's <laughs> almost poetic because the earth is telling you exactly do exactly. what you need, but for God's sake, stop harming other people. You're destroying <laughs> me. Do what you need to do and get out of here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because the destruction, it's 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 like shrapnel. Even though you're shedding the seas, your shedding the seas is killing people. Yeah. That's just one example without going too deep into it. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 a vicious cycle. It's really a vicious oh. cycle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, um, be sure to check out this album. There's a lot more to it that than what we've been able to present. To put it into context, this entire last 20, 25 minutes of discussion was one song. Yeah. <laughs> There's five of them. <laughs> By the way, guys, you know you, you know me. I'm I'm a huge Mark One fan girl. Um, <laughs> Ali Ham is a big fan. If you guys want to talk about all things Mark One, oh, drop yeah. me a DM on my main. Drop me a, drop us a DM on the profile. I don't care. We can talk about it. I can I'm ask really Mark. Your, I can ask Mark your questions and get back to you. I'm really, really humble, guys. It's 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 amazing. And with that, ladies and gents, I think we've been able to give you a taste of what of what 
this album is about. And really, that's what I wanted to get across from the podcast. Mark, thank you so much, so incredibly My much pleasure. for joining us today. My pleasure. Um, ladies and gents, Terabithia EP and Heavenfall EP recently has come out. These are Mark One's flagship projects. To quote Mark One on his own words <laughs> on Heavenfall, the very definition of a magnum opus, real humble. <laughs> Go stream it, stream it like crazy. Uh, let me know, let Ali Habib know, let us all know if you've got any questions. You can message Mark One, you can mar- message me. Um, we'll be back to do this again real soon. This has been your host, Ali Adnan Rada, and your co host, Ali Hamid Zaidi, signing off. And our wonderful guest, Real Mark One. Bye. Signing off, sending peace and blessings your way. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Spilling guns from the belly of the beast You can feast on me or the machine, but that's a reach They eat blacks for a killing, not curry, munch and feed Bastard, my children Baby boys might have built the shore Rest be assured, this is short and circuit on the floor Oughta kill the brown girl, blood drenched burrows Would you ever come around, world?